Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I had just a little technical difficulty. I didn't know if y'all could hear me. I think I got in the studio just fine. Let me double-check that I didn't play my intro, so work with me. Boy, wasn't showing me that I was live, so work with me. Let's go to our intro. We use some time to time, and we'll get our guest on after this intro. So, again, bear with me. Working through the computer problems. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mr. Don Law Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I also have my special guest co-host, Patrice Ross, on the line with me, as well as special guest, Eli Marcus. Thank you all for being with me this morning. My board didn't show me I was live or... I thought y'all wasn't on either, so I was a little scared there for a split second, but we got everything working. So if y'all will, uh, Latrice, we'll start with you, Queen, if you will say hello to the Truth Seekers and hello to our special guest, Eli Marcus, this morning. And thank you for co-hosting with me this morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Um, looking forward to the discussion that we're going to have. And good morning to you, Eli. Eli, you with us, King? Yes, I am. Good morning. Uh, this is Eli Marcus. I'm happy to be a part of the discussion. Now, absolutely. If you will, Eli, again, you've been with the Mental Dialogue Talk Show before, and I want to bring back um, your perspective on this morning's discussion question. Um, before we do that, if you will, uh, give the truth seekers just a little bit of your background um, so they know a little bit of who you are before we go into this morning's discussion question. Again, thanks for being with us, King. Absolutely. Well, I'm a writer. I enjoy uh, uh, discussing social issues. I enjoy discussing uh, social concepts, masculinity, femininity. I'm an advocate for the institution of the black family. I'm also in the tech industry. Hey, love it, King. Short and sweet, uh, but perfect for this morning's discussion. As I always like to tell the truth seekers, try to bring people on the show who are a little smarter than myself based on the topic that we are discussing. Let's go ahead and jump into this morning's discussion question, which is very simple. Toxic masculinity, real or BS? 
toxic masculinity, real or BS, and we are not a politically correct show, so I'll actually be a little crude to say toxic masculinity, real or bullshit. So we'll figure out uh, which one it is this morning. Again, thank you for being with us. And if you will, um, Teresa, again, you're co-hosting with us, but you also have a, a, a significant background as it relates to this morning's discussion. So if you would just kind of mention that briefly uh, so, again, people understand. Uh, obviously, I'll be navigating in uh, this, this discussion, but, again, I want people to understand where you're coming from, too, when you're offering your perspective, if you will, Queen. Okay. Um, I am a diversity and inclusion professional. Um I consult on matters related to um, assisting corporations with creating strategies to make their, not just make their corporate cultures more diverse, but more importantly, to make it more inclusive. Um, So I've done a lot of research into matters related to diversity, and diversity includes, you know, me being an ally for women, an ally for for men, for different races, ethnic groups. sexual orientations. And one of the things that I encounter quite frequently is um, discussions between black men and black women. And and um, I'm frequently quoting stats which highlight um, my beliefs around this topic, whether toxic masculinity um, is BS or not. Um, and just to go ahead on and set it off, I don't believe that it's BS. I believe that statistics as it relates to violence in black women show that it's not BS, but not just black women, women in general. Um, But I think part of the issue is that we make the definition of toxic masculinity too broad. It's a very specific, true definition. And I think if we were all to abide by that true definition, we would not perhaps be having this conversation. There would be more a level of understanding as it related to this topic. Now, fair enough, and and that's what we do here. If you're a first-time listener on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, I'm going to go ahead and warn y'all, especially if you're a first-time listener, my true speakers that are constantly listening, they understand our process here. But I will tell you again, if you are a first-time listener, I always tell people, and the warning is, you will only hear what you want to hear half the time. Uh, What we attempt to do with any discussion is bring both sides of any issue to the table and have a real dialogue, a chance for critical thinking to get into the nuance of a discussion with what we don't do in a sense. Um, in conducting these discussions or these dialogues is we're not going to necessarily be yelling beliefs at each other. We definitely bring people who bring, you know, their side reasonably to both sides of the table. Now, for you, the audience, if you're passionate about your side of it and we just got it dead wrong, please be willing to call in and we will accept that passion. Again, we we definitely understand some of these issues can be um, very passionate. So we do accept that passion, but just understand our goal is to basically be willing to hear what the other side has to say. And I felt like this was definitely the the type of discussion and subject that I wanted to kind of put that out up front. Again, we want to get into the nuance. We want to try to hear what the other side says. And again, if you disagree with myself or any of my guests, we will open up the phone lines and, and, you know, because I think this is the type of topic that will bring, in a sense, that type of um, energy, per se. Uh, with that said, um, Eli, we'll let you, you know, Latrice said she set it off and gave her perspective. We'll let you give your initial perspective on this morning's discussion, toxic masculinity, real or BS. Your thoughts, King? Well, sir, um, I and millions of others believe that the term toxic masculinity is indeed BS. That's not to say abuse does not happen to women, children, or men. 
Uh, but we believe it's BS. We believe it is a social construct created by white men and white liberals that, have, that has also been borrowed by black writers. And as you can see, it's now a term. Black men are now the face of toxic masculinity on almost a, a national level. And that's the problem with these highly subjective terms that are not clear in definition, that it can be applied to uh, anyone. And then when scholars and uh, writers use this term, uh, the term can re be redefined. Every year it's redefined. Now I hear that the way men sit, if they're sitting and taking up too much space, that can be considered toxic mas masculinity. Speaking with too much bass in your voice could be considered toxic masculinity. Not crying frequently. So when we look at terms like that, we have to be very careful. We can care about the abuse of women, children, and men without inventing these wild, cartoonish-like terms that is solely invented uh, to target black men and to demonize and criminalize them. Now, thank you for your thoughts, King, and thank you as well, uh, Latrice. We've got about a minute before we go to our initial break, and we'll come out of the break and get hot and heavy into the discussion. Um, I think what both of you had to say, if I could say this, um, I think you're bringing something to the table that everybody can listen to, um, as I heard Latrice say, to a certain extent, the topic. I, and I think this, where I hear a little sim, um, similarity is that the term itself is too broad, and if we understood the definition, that in a sense might change things. And then I hear Eli saying, hey, the issue is when these terms come up, that they can be taken and you get derivatives of them that, in fact, are far from maybe what I'm, I'm guessing a Latrice will um, mention as we come out of this break. Again, we want to get into specifics. I will go ahead and give out the phone number a little earlier than usual because we do want to allow the audience to take place. I got a lot of feedback as I was promoting um, this show, and I will be sharing a lot of actual um, Facebook text that I got in reference to this morning show for some people that couldn't get on. So let me go ahead and get the number out, and we'll go to our first initial break. The number to get in this morning is 646-787-1691. You will need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak if you're um, on the line already. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. What about a female rapper? I always felt like, I know you dibbled and dabbled with different artists, that, other female rappers, but, you know. 
you know, you know, you, feel like? you know, I never did it because I always thought like I would end up <laughs> a female rapper and, <laughs> in the business up here. I'm so focused on my business. I'm, I gotta be honest with you. You know, you know, she looking good. I'm spending so much money on her photo shoots. I got a couple times. <laughs> this is not something that we can ignore. It's not something we can just sweep under the rug as just another disturbing footnote. Because this was not just a lewd conversation. This wasn't just locker room banter. This was a powerful individual speaking freely and openly. The disrespect of our ambitions and intellect, the belief that you can do anything you want to a woman, it is cruel. It's frightening. And the truth is, it hurts. It hurts. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, toxic masculinity, real or BS? My special guest co-host, Patrice Ross, on with me as well as special guest, Eli Marcus. We just heard a cut uh, from a from rapper um, Rick Ross on the Breakfast Club. And if you're familiar with the Breakfast Club, they were asking him, you know, why he never had, in a sense, a female or rapper, as, he, as they said, in, inside of his, um, I guess, his camp, his music camp or whatever. And he basically says he thought he would mess up and want to have sex with the actual um, rapper if she, you know, if he had one. So in order to avoid that, he never brought one into his camp. And so I guess the initial question, we'll start with you, Latrice. Um, you also hear some commentary from a young lady saying, hey, this is an issue. So is this an example, excuse me, is this an example of what we're talking about when we're peeling back this question, toxic masculinity, real or BS? Do you hear this as an example of um, this morning's discussion? Go ahead, Latrice. You mean what Rick Ross said? Um, oh, yeah, I, this I is a I don't view that as being an example of an example of toxic masculinity. Perhaps a sub, subset of it, because when I think about toxic ma- masculinity and the true definition, it's it's a description of manhood that's designated, that's defined by violence, sex, status, and aggression. Um, and so, in a sense, it is playing into that because he's saying I can't be around women or certain women for an extended length of time without thinking of her as a sexual object. Um, so I guess then the question is whether that's true to manhood or is that gendered behavior that we've taught or that's been sort of um, socialized in our society. Notice I didn't say community, I said society, because I don't view toxic masculinity. I don't see black men as being the poster children for, for toxic masculinity. As a matter of fact, when I think toxic masculinity, I think um, Charlottesville and the white supremacist, those, when I think toxic masculinity, that's what I see. Now, to that end, there are some behaviors that some black men exhibit, exhibit that play into that, um, that definition. And oftentimes it's because we, our young men are raised with you can't show emotion, you're not allowed to cry. The more women that you bed, the more masculine you are. And don't let anybody step to you wrong or, you, you know, you're not going to be a real man. These are the kinds of behaviors that sometimes young men are raised with that then they grow up and they begin to exhibit um, behaviors that can be defined as toxic. 
Uh, fair thoughts, Eli. Um, any thoughts um, to what Latrice had to say as well as the cut? Um, again, I'll ask right. you the same question. Uh, was that an example of what people are now referring to as toxic masculinity? As we also heard the lady respond to what she heard on the Breakfast Club and says, hey, it's very frightening is kind of what she had to say. So any thoughts from you in reference to that cut as well as Latrice? I think I'll take on the same opinion uh, with Latrice regarding that particular cut. Uh, I mean, it's kind of weird to me. I think it would be weird to most people that he can't work with a female artist because he might have sex with her. Nonetheless, people tend to abuse their power uh, depending on their access and their power position. As it relates to their data regarding men growing up with uh, hyperaggression or violence or sexually aggressive, I don't think there's any data to prove that uh, there's enough men who engage in unhealthy, predatory, abusive behaviors uh, to constitute and to justify a general definition like toxic masculinity. We know that 99.9% of men uh, uh, live healthy, normal, nonviolent lives. Men are historically not violent. Men historically have protected women. Men have historically built society and communities and systems and infrastructures to protect uh, and provide for women. And I think it's truly uh, disrespectful to the history of men, uh, to their women, uh, to to uh, feed into this propaganda uh, of toxic masculinity like, as if there's this big issue. We as a society, men and women, are against violence. We're against violent men. We're against violent women. That's why we have prison systems. That's why we have a justice system. That's why uh, when, uh, when a rape does occur or a uh, man does display hyperaggression, uh, we have police officers that can be called, which often are men. Uh, judges are often men. And we punish people who engage in unhealthy behavior. My belief is that we should classify unhealthy behaviors what it is. If a man rapes, he's a rapist, not toxic masculinity. If he hits a woman, he's an abuser, not toxic masculinity. I don't understand why we're complicating these types of terms and words when it doesn't have to be. Patrice, I'll let you um, respond to what Eli had to say. Go ahead, Queen. Well, there there is actually research that that shows that certain um, behaviors that are instilled in, in us as young children and as we grow up, those behaviors evolve into other things that sometimes become toxic. To say that, and, and, I don't, and I don't have, I'm not going to say the majority, but there are men that, are, that do display toxic masculinity. Um, one of the things that, that I'd like to point out is that 80% of black, black women that are assaulted or are murdered, it's, by, it's a partner crime, it's the men that are in their lives. When you have statistics that say 80% of women, black women, by the time they reach 18, have experienced a sexually coercive act, there's a problem. Because these sexually coercive acts are not done no, 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 with that'll finish, that'll other finish. women. I'll let you jump back in. No problem. Um, and so, I'm not, again, I'm not saying many or all or most. I'm saying that there is a subset of our population that exhibit behaviors associated with toxic masculinity. And we have to call a spade a spade. We have to begin to get to the root cause of these issues. And if it's raising kids to not show emotion, to not understand respect, to not um, understand that we, are, we should be about protecting our community and the women and the children that are in our community. But so often those behaviors are not instilled in our young people. And these young people evolve and they, are, they display these toxic behaviors. Um, so we have to call a spade a spade. 
Let me let me let me finish right. real quick, Eli, and I'll let you respond. We also have a caller too. And I just want to throw in a little nuance before you respond. Okay. So um one thing I heard you say, Latrice, and I think is critical to this conversation. Um you you know, in a sense you mentioned the term subset and I would offer if I'm if again if I'm hearing you correctly, Eli, um again, you're not in denial of the subset. I think what you're really saying is you know, you're concerned about a term that may be that it, that may be misused, uh, particularly towards our community, which I don't think you're in complete disagreement with that, Latrice or whatever. But I hear you both saying call a spade a spade. Um, yeah, I think y'all both are saying call a spade a spade. I think you have slightly different perspectives on what that is. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Uh, I'll even say, Latrice, thank you for, in a sense, uh, you were careful to say not the majority, because one thing that I, I will throw out there is in this use of this term, and we'll see this throughout this show. I'll show, play some other cuts where you see there's this concept of, quote, unquote, the majority of men, you know, being in this area or whatever. So, again, I like the specifics that both of you are kind of attacking this with. Eli, I'm going to let you respond, then I'm going to go to the caller after you. Go ahead, King. I don't mind calling a spade a spade, but the fact is the spade is not a spade. Our dear sister just said uh, there's a study that 80% of women are engaged in some sort of a sexual assault before the age of 18. I researched that particular study and found it to be a complete lie. This study was performed by an organization, one that was a very radical feminist leaning. They surveyed a couple of hundred young ladies, um, and they controlled the study. As an educated woman, you know that this goes against standard when you're conducting a credible study. This study that 80% of black women have been sexually assaulted is not credible. It's a complete lie, and we have to stop repeating that because it perpetuates a stereotype that black men are out here being the boogeyman and raping their women and sexually assaulting their women. This is a lie. So why repeat things like this? Call a spade a spade, but that's not a spade. That's just a lie. And, Eli, and Eli you'll notice that I didn't quote the 80%. I said 60%, which is a different study that was done by an academic organization. I know the study that you're referring to, and that study was done in Baltimore, I believe. I didn't quote that study. That, quote, that, okay. that study that you mentioned that quoted 80%, I agree with you. That is not accurate. It's based on a, sub, a small set of women that were interviewed and, and um, that were um, put into this study in Baltimore, Maryland. I quoted 60%, which was an academic study. Okay, well, I thought you were right. And, and let, me throw this out. let me throw this out real quick and get to the caller. Yeah, no, not a problem, not a problem. What you did here, Eli, just so that, you know, to get some clarity, because I'm just, you know, again, I'm trying to listen to both of you. She did mention the concept of 80% of, of women before 18 have experienced co or coercive act, which is completely different than actually assault or whatever. Did I hear that correct, Latrice? That is, I think that it might was, be It was 60% of women before the age of eight. Right. It was sexually she, coercive, which is different. It was 60%, not 80%. She said oh, okay, 80%. I thought, okay. I thought, well, yeah, yeah. What happens is, Latrice, you, you actually said 80. We did. So, we, so okay, okay I, mean, I thought you had quoted two different things. Okay, cool. So it's 60%. All right, good clarity. Let's go to the callers. We've got a couple callers that we want to get in. Area code four zero two last three one nine nine. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Toxic masculinity, real or BS? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Stu. I'm calling from uh, Nebraska. And hey, what's going uh, on, like Stu? How you doing, King? What you got for us? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if this has been mentioned yet, but uh, a brother by the name of uh, Dr. Tommy Curry. Uh, he uh, in his book, The Man Not. He uh, broke down the uh, origins of the term toxic masculinity. 
And from those origins, it was said by race scientists back in the early 1800s that the uh, black man was by nature an effeminate individual. And if he were to be raised by a single mother, he would carry forth behaviors that would, in a sense, uh, contradict his natural masculinity by being raised by too much femininity in the uh, society. Well, that term was picked back up in the 80s whereas, as, as, as a means of uh, giving explanation to a lot of young black males who were, who were starting to be raised in single uh, black female-ran homes due to the, uh, 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 due, due to the use of uh, how the welfare system was used. And, and, and in a sense, that, that the word toxic masculinity means that a male or a man, if you will, having masculine traits and characteristics, having been raised in a single parent environment, normally female, takes on the attributes of uh, uh, feminine traits, which in turn cause a contradiction in this behavior. Now, those, that's, that, that's the original root meaning of the term toxic masculinity. Now, I'm thinking in today's society, I, you know, I conjecture that in today's society, it is being picked up, you know, especially amongst a lot of black women, actually to effeminize black men who are actually masculine. Now, I can understand, you know, what you're talking about as far as the ill traits connected to hyper-masculinity and how that's used to uh, abuse some women. But uh, when a lot of women, especially black women nowadays, who use that term toxic, that is really being applied to men who are actually still masculine to more effeminize them and thus weaken, you know, the black collective as a whole in a sense as far as forming strong structural family units. That's my three cents. Hey, no, no, beautiful three cents, too. Since I got other calls, I'm going to let you go. Uh, you can always get back in. Just come off the one and come back in if you but, decide but to. Um, but we will definitely out, discuss. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Gene. Yeah, but, please go ahead. But if you can't, but but if y'all can, check out Dr. Tommy J. Curry. He's on YouTube and a lot of videos, and his book, The Man Not, to get the true definition of the word toxic masculinity. Thank you. Now, thank you for that beautiful three cents. Uh, and I'll say this very quickly, um, Latrice. I'll let you respond to what um, our caller had to say. Um, and you and I have had personal discussions about this, Latrice, or whatever. And, again, thank you for co-hosting this morning. And so one thing I heard in what Stu, um, Stu had to bring to the table, and I think you've heard me say this before, um, that I'm personally um, always concerned if there is an additional, quote, unquote, agenda. You know, sometimes you use that word and people think, oh, you're just – copping out or whatever, but, you know, I've always had that concern, whereas you know personally, you know me very personally, and I I am personal, like, I am concerned about, for example, even the example with Rick Ross. Like, I understand even, in a sense, the lady's commentary in reference to, you know, again, and we all agree it's problematic that, as Eli said, you can't be around a, a lady over a period of time and not want to have sex with her, whatever. So we all agree that that's problematic. But And we also agree that there's a subculture. And, again, we may be kind of getting into the nuance of what we call it or what's the specific word and being careful with it and things of that nature. But, again, I just kind of wanted to bring that out. And if you will, Latrice, just what did you hear and what Brother Stewart brought to the table, Stu brought to the table and in reference to the original um, 
meaning and how it applies today. So I, I, I for the most part, I, I disagree because I'm looking at it from a psychological perspective. Um, he, Dr. Curry comes from a philosophical perspective. So those are two different schools, two different perspectives. Um, so part, so for that aspect, we are varying in our definitions. Secondly, okay. I do agree that there is a problem with single parent households. However, I will not get to the point of blaming single parents, single mothers for the outcomes associated with it. And in a sense, I guess part of me does agree with him that sometimes women not having a man, a man in the household will, will focus on hyper-masculinity as it relates to, boy, don't, don't act like a girl or you, you can't let anybody talk to you crazy or dry those tears up because real men don't cry, things of this nature. Those are the kinds of the behaviors that we instill in our, in our young people where they grow up and they repress their emotions. They, re, they repress their feelings. They feel like I'm not a real man if I don't have all these notches in my belt. I'm not a real man if I let somebody step to me and I don't step back. I'm not a real man if I allow my woman to talk to me and I don't hit, talk to me crazy and I don't hit her. These are the behaviors that I'm talking about. Now, when it comes to stereotypes, you call them agendas, I call them stereotypes. Um, there are stereotypes that impact black men and black women. Toxic masculinity, I, I, I'm not stupid. It does more adversely affect black men from a societal perspective than it does white men. Because when we think about black men, we think about hyperaggression. When we think about white men, we think socially elite. When we think about Latino men, we think, oh, they're good in bed. And when we think Asian men, for the most part, they've been demasculated when we come to media stereotypes. So those stereotypes exist. I'm not crazy enough to think that they don't. But, uh, but my question is, do we play into these stereotypes by how we raise our boys to be men? Now, those are great questions. We're actually up against the break. we got other callers. Eli, we'll come to you out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. I look at some of the things I used to say to women in interviews. 
here on the Breakfast Club, and I'm like, bro, you was wilding. So when I see all of these sexual allegations coming out over the past couple of years from Bill Cosby to Harvey Weinstein to Louis C.K., I don't know if it's because I'm older, but I'm looking at them like, why is this type of pervasion been normalized? And I think it's because a lot of brothers don't think they're doing anything wrong because it's been a common theme in our lives for way too long. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm actually listening to women more and not having these discussions about rape culture with guys. Because that's what we do as men. We start having conversations about rape culture with each other. That's why we don't learn anything. And it's so normalized to us that we make excuses about why we do what we do or have done what we've done. That that's where the whole victim blaming thing comes into play. And, you know, there's just no excuse. It's not about what the woman wore or what time she was at your house. It's all about accountability. We are in the age of accountability. And if we are being personally accountable and being morally honest, we just have to admit that we were raised on rape culture. And it was wrong. Okay, we were absolutely, we are absolutely in the, in the age of accountability. And if you're not holding yourself personally, welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Soccer Team's special guest co-host, Latrice Ross. Our special guest, Eli Marcus, is on with us this morning for this morning's discussion: toxic masculinity, real or BS. We hear another cut from a one Charlemagne the God. I think Charlemagne the God. I'm sorry. Um, this topic, toxic masculinity, I think it would be hard-pressed, again, to dig in properly and thoroughly, not to bring up, in a sense, the term rape culture. Um, unfortunately, kind of gets um, um, coincides with this topic, in a sense. A lot of times people say that toxic masculinity leads to, uh, uh, you know, this concept, as we hear Charlemagne the God speak about. Um, aspects of, of of that culture that I will say, and, and Eli, I'll let you respond. That I will say again, um, these are things that we've seen or heard about if you've attended college or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, I'm still big on this concept of subset, which again, Eli, I don't think you run from that. I think, in a sense, it is a subset. But I don't say that word as if it's not, in a sense, problematic. As, as if it's not an issue. As if as it as if, as if it doesn't create that sixty percent that Matrice just referenced um, in before um, this break. So Eli, if, we, if you will, again, jump in, give your perspective again on the cut. We're going to hear cuts throughout the show that bring it from both sides. Again, we're just starting here. If you will, Eli, I'll let you respond. We also have a caller on the line as well. Go ahead, Eli. Well, sir, it's such a trendy topic right now, the idea of, of rape culture and toxic masculinity. And, again, I, I don't disagree with the points these people are making. I disagree with the exaggeration of it. I disagree with the notion of, of connecting it to the general population of men, especially black men. Uh, data does not back these people up. Most black men are not violent, predatory, or emotionally toxic, the overwhelming majority. In fact, I would argue 98%. If you look at the uh, arrest records, the prison records, and even if you account for unrecorded records of abuse and predatory behavior, it's a fraction of society. So when Charlemagne's little speech is done, it kind of creates this narrative that the average man, especially black man, is predatory, emotionally toxic, or violent. Toxicity is not a male trait. It's a human trait. And people who happen to be toxic tend to choose their victims based on their access and power position which is why data proves that predatory women tend to target children, the elderly, and nonviolent males. In most child abuse cases, a woman is the perpetrator, not a man. In most elderly abuse cases, a woman is the perpetrator, not a man. Yet we hear nothing about toxic femininity because it's a fake term. Wow, let me say this. I'm going to let Latrice respond, then we're going to go to the caller. I will tell you, and again, I haven't 
seen, you know, I respect um, what you're bringing to the table. I'm shocked, again, based on even some numbers that I've researched, that um, you're leaning towards the most, even in both the scenarios you just pointed out, whether it was a you know, youth or elderly, I'm actually shocked to hear that you're suggesting that it's most. I, I think in the past I've seen numbers that would say it's still heavily, um, again, the numbers of that small percentage of people who actually could, you know, are are involved in these type of crimes. I've always thought it was um, male heavy in that sense. But again, when when we're talking about the actual numbers, like you said, it is a fraction of society. So I do want to be fair in that sense. And again, I'm not even saying you're wrong. I'm just shocked to hear you say that based on, and I don't have any studies right now to back me up, but the trees may have some. So either way, and again, I'm just kind of speaking to it and saying I'm shocked to hear that part of it. Um, go ahead, Latrice, and then we'll go to the talk. So I, I'm going to say that, I, you know, we have when we have a population of 59% of black men that are in post secondary that are receiving post secondary education i'm not saying that and i've been i've been very intentional about not saying most many mm-hmm. and all because it doesn't apply to the most many and all of men definitely doesn't apply to most many and all of black men but we do have to acknowledge even if it's 30% even if it's 20% we have to acknowledge that it, that subset of our population does exist. And I end it with the question, do we instill these behaviors in our young people by having these, that by having these requirements of them to be stoic, to not show emotion, to stand your ground, to be, have them around situations where, man, that woman, your, your girlfriend talks to you like she was crazy. Man, if that was me, I would have done this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the stats on child abuse and things of that nature, I didn't look those up. I will when I get a chance um, because I don't think that they are as low. From the last time I did review them, they were not that low um, with regard or that high with regard to women being the perpetuators of those acts. However, let's bring it back to toxic masculinity. Um, we do, there are, there, uh, there is a subset of our population that exhibits hyper-masculine behavior. And I'd like to just, in calling a spade a spade, let's talk about where it originated from. Let's talk about how our ancestors were brought here against their will and how the men were hyper-masculine, were, were shown to be hyper-masculine. They were, they were these stoic bricks who could work without ceasing, that, that could withstand the whippings that they got. These concepts or these stereotypes were woven into the, our society from times of slavery. And oftentimes we bring those behaviors unwittingly, unconsciously into our community. Corporal punishment, when you really dig into the beginnings of corporal punishment and where they came from, it has its beginnings in slavery and the whippings that the slave masters inflicted upon our ancestors. So we have to really begin to remove the emotion and acknowledge what we're bringing into our community, what behaviors we're perpetuating in, in our society, in our community that are negative. Now, I do believe that it adversely affects black men more so than, than other races, but it doesn't alleviate the fact that it does exist. Hey, great thoughts from both of you. Let me go ahead and go to the, we got a few callers we want to get in. Stu's trying to get back in as well, so let's see if we can get some of these callers in. Area code 480-LAST-3314. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. 
Hello, my name is William Agnew. I am calling from Dallas, Texas. Hey, what's going on, William? How you doing, King? What you got for us? I'm good. I'm good, man. I think, you know, just, just talking about this topic, it's, it's very interesting, and it's, it's, it's totally complex uh, in my mind. It's a complex situation. And I know a lot of people use the term toxic masculinity. Uh, I, I hear a lot of buzzy words, right? And people fit it into their category of the point they're trying to make a lot of times. But I think getting back to the essence, because I always try to take it back to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem, especially, especially for young black boys and black men like myself, is when is it and when is it not appropriate to use aggression? And I think aggression is the, is the, is the, is the, is the point because – as a black man in America, right, aggression is necessary. But what we're lacking is the understanding of when to use aggression, when it's appropriate and when it's inappropriate, right? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I've seen two videos this week online where women were being attacked, and there was a lot of passivity. Men, black men, white men standing around watching women be attacked. There was one woman on a train. A 78-year-old woman was getting kicked mm-hmm. in the face times and nobody did anything right so when does masculine toxicity play and how does it play and is it making us more passive because there are times when that aggression is very necessary and what i see is we're getting to this point in society where we don't even know when and we're not being triggered to protect our women there was another example of a black woman being hit in the face multiple times by by a white supremacist and nobody did anything, and there were men, black men and white men, standing around watching this. So, in order, so at my point, instead of putting this into the topics that we're trying to the, 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 the support, right, the buzzy words, because mm-hmm. you can put it in your you – everybody can put it in their little box, right, and, and, and mm-hmm. justify the point they're trying to make. But at the end of the day, what we have to understand and what's complex about it as a black man is understanding that – I need aggression to be successful in this world. I need to know when to be aggressive. I need to know when to be aggressive in business. I need to know when to be aggressive in my relationship. But I have to also know when that is appropriate and what level of aggression I need to exude and and exemplify. And that's where we're not understanding where the differentiation between being aggressive and using aggression and not using it is it's changing our culture. It's changing our culture, and we're being so passive that we're not protecting our own women. And that is a fundamental problem that we have to get a, a hold on and a fix on. So we can't put it in these little specific topics. We have to, we have to understand the general, the overall high-level understanding of aggression and when is aggression appropriate, what does aggression look like, when is it inappropriate, and what level of aggression do we need to exemplify in certain situations. And we're failing to teach our young black men specifically that. That's the problem. Hey, amazing three cents, King. Um, at the top of the hour, we're, uh, I'm going to play a cut that maybe addresses exactly what you're talking about. I absolutely appreciate you, Eli. We've got about a minute and a half before break, so I'm going to let you jump in on William's thoughts initially. Again, I, I may have to go to break in the middle of your thought, but we'll keep it going. William, if you want to get back in, you know, please come off the one and come back on. But thank you for your three cents this morning. I thought the brother made some ahead, excellent Eli. points. The only I thought the brother made some excellent points. The only thing that I would disagree with again is this this narrative that black men are not protecting black women. Men have historically protected their women, their daughters, uh, male cousins historically protect the women in their family. That's the real. That's the the truth. That's the real narrative. If you were to survey the average black woman, I'm willing to bet that they would say they feel mostly protected by the men in their families. 
so that's the, the true narrative that I think should be represented and not uh, this fake narrative that men are just sitting around letting women in their tribe get beat on by other men. That's simply not true. There's no data to support that. So let me say this before we go to break real quick, just to kind of share with you, and we can dig into it when we come back and we'll get to the other callers. So um, I'll tell you in my own lifetime, Elo, um, I, I agree with you, again, like you said, when you get into the majority of what majority of men are doing, I, I will tell you in my own lifetime, I think what we, what I've experienced in my generation is that what William is talking about, unfortunately, in my opinion, is growing um, amongst the, the, you know, our generation, I would say mine at 45 and even younger, there are, in my opinion, there are things that are happening to where this this is growing, and in order to stop it, it needs to at least be addressed in some of the ways that I think William is saying. Again, it's just a you know just my little three cents on it before we go to break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual toxic masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh at all. What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Well, sweetie, come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Not cool. Not cool. Some already are. In ways big and small. But some is not enough. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with guest co-host Patrice Ross, special guest with us this morning, Eli Marcus, for this morning's discussion, Toxic Masculinity, Real or BS? As some of you out there may have seen the Gillette commercial, on this commercial, definitely got a, from what I understood, I didn't see it, I don't watch TV, I end up watching it in preparation for the show, um, but I definitely had heard that it got a, a lot of attention in the media, and Latrice, I'm going to start with you. So, for the most part, based on what both of you have said, I think to a certain extent, both of you 
have shot down what we're hearing in that commercial again, because um, that commercial really says, uh, you know, some men doing right is not enough. So it's basically suggesting, in a sense, that most men are falling and having falling under, in a sense, this term of toxic masculinity and ex- exhibiting these these acts, which we've already all agreed that that is not the case with the majority of men, whether black or white. Here's my concern, Latrice, if I can say this to you. And, again, I definitely want to recognize, as we've kept mentioning, and I've kept saying it on the show, the idea of the subset. As I mentioned before the break, there is a concern of mine that um, young, you know, a number of young men growing up not understanding what William talked about before the break. Here's my question to you. So the fact that we see national media putting out a commercial that's suggesting that the majority of men or, you know, possibly fall under this, this description of toxic masculinity. Again, and I mentioned it before, but that's my concern. Like, that's attached to something. And you've acknowledged the problem with making us, again, you don't do that, making black men the face of toxic masculinity. But what I was suggesting to you that was, whereas I want to recognize everything that you're saying we should recognize, being very aware um, I guess you said I, you call it stereotype or whatever, and you are, you know, and you acknowledge that. But both of those things might need to be done. We need to recognize what you're saying, and we, in my eyes, we have to pay very close attention to big picture. And you acknowledge how it could harm us, but that's the, where the divide is. People that are paying attention to that kind of fall on one side, and what you're saying quite often, people so people pit those sides against each other. But I think we have to recognize both things are kind of happening, if that makes sense. Go ahead, Queen. I, I agree that, and I, I'm in complete and total agreement with you. We do have to acknowledge that both of those things are happening. Now, I think that Eli downplays it a bit too much because when you look at the of, of black women that are murdered each year, 58% of those women are murdered by a husband, boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, et cetera. So that statistic alone that it says that there is a problem that we need to own, that we need to acknowledge, address, own, resolve. Now, we have to do this in the greater scope of, no, stereotypes black people in ways that are not true. And they apply these stereotypes with the paintbrush. They say that black women are loud and obnoxious, that we're Jezebels and sexual sex addicts, that we have babies and get on welfare. They say that black men are too aggressive, too hypersexualized. So, yes, I am completely aware of what society says about black people that are incorrect. But we do ourselves and our community a disservice by not acknowledging that there are issues that exist that we need to address. The problem is is that people like microwave sound bites. No one's willing to dig in and do the work. When you you bring something to me that I don't understand, I want to know what's the definition. Let me research this a little bit further. Now, let me disprove what I believe to be true. But we have people who see a sound bite on CNN and they see a picture and they automatically associate that picture with the sound bite with statistic. And there you have it. We're going away with the stereotype. Black men are going to hurt you. Now, as a black woman, I sometimes feel unsafe in black environments. I was at a local mall here in Atlanta. I was alone. Someone, a black man, tried to get my attention. I was alone. It was eight o'clock. It was it was it was dark. It was late. 
I, I ignored him, didn't make any faces, didn't give him any gestures. I just looked straight ahead and kept walking. That group of men proceeded to follow me throughout that mall and call me all kinds of bitches and whores and everything else that they could think of in an attempt to intimidate me. Did anyone stop them? No. I found security and asked them to walk me to my car. So these kinds of instances, while I know that it's not true. I was robbed at knife point by a black man. Two years when I took the intrinsic, the, the test that talks about unconscious bias, I was moderately biased towards black men. And when I, spoke, when I debriefed that assessment, it's because two years prior I had been robbed at knife point by a black man. So when we say that women don't feel safe, it's because their brain is stepping in because they may have had experiences where they had a negative experience with a black man. And now they're applying that experience to all. And we have to be intentional about not doing that. I'm with Eli. It doesn't apply to the majority of black men. It doesn't apply to most black men. It definitely doesn't apply to all black men because the black men in my circle are kings, and they make me feel safe. But we do have to acknowledge that we do have a problem when we look at the murder rate of black women and who kills them. Murders will always Let me say this real quick, Eli. You can respond. Um, well, actually, go ahead and respond because I, I want to bring. I, I got a caller that wants to get in. I want to bring something, a, well, a, a text from Facebook to the table too. But go ahead, Eli. First of all, I want to say that I fundamentally agree with our sister. I think we disagree on some other things, but I fundamentally agree with her. People will always be murdered. You are not harassed by a black man. You are not robbed at gunpoint by a black man. You are robbed by a criminal. You are harassed by a criminal. That isn't the point. The point to focus on is that a very small percentage of society engages in violent behavior that results in murder. The point is the vast majority of murderers are charged, convicted, and held accountable by the law, which is often carried out by men. The point is the vast majority of black men are healthy, functional, and nonviolent. Now, when you state your, when you structure your sentences, I was robbed by a black man, you're not even saying the word criminal. You're not even saying the word uh, uh, a robber. You're saying black men. That does something psychologically to people who are constantly hearing sentences like that. Black men are murderers. Black men are robbers. And, and that is a disrespect to the English language. And I think it's a sort of subtle conditioning. Intelligent cultures don't allow foreign cultures to invent and impose terms like toxic masculinity on their people. Intelligent cultures handle their issues in-house and invent their own terms and solutions to their problems. This is about the politics of power, people. Black men need as much masculinity as they can get to perform and win in the marketplace, which black women and children benefit from. Hey, strong thoughts. Let's go to the caller. Area code 313, last 3966. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Uh, this is Eric. Hello, Montoya, Latrice, and uh, Eli. Um, hey, how you doing, King? What you got for us? All right. Well, I'm not going to repeat what uh, Latrice said because I, I second that. And I, both of you are making very good points, uh, Eli, but I would have to agree with Latrice that you are downplaying it just a bit. And I think we need to get out of semantics a little bit. To me, you know, I don't care what we call it, toxic masculinity or whatever, or whatever else you want to call it. And I'm going to call it toxic masculinity because that's just for the sake of this conversation, that's what it is. And toxic masculinity, to me, is practiced in all cultures, not just African-Americans, although mm -hmm. we're talking about African-Americans 
today. Emotional detachment, hyper-competitiveness, aggression, intimidation, violent sexual object- objectification, and sexually predatory. Those are characteristics of toxic masculinity. And for us to just pretend as though that this doesn't exist in all cultures with a lot of men, especially in today's society, it's it's a disservice to us, particularly the points that uh, um, Latrice is trying to make. And maybe we're looking at it from a psychological standpoint versus a philosophical standpoint like like that one of the previous guys was speaking of. But, you know, here's my concern. If, if if it wasn't an issue, then we wouldn't have such large numbers of our black and brown people, particularly black people, in prison or joining gangs. Or if we're talking about protecting women, as you're saying, you know, that we have a large number of men. I would like to believe that that is true, and I hope that that is true. But that's not what I see all of the time, especially when we see YouTube and all these other uh, all, all these other things, but in large numbers, we have an epidemic of men not even fathering their children or even staying with the women that they're impregnating out of wedlock, made up, might I say. So, and you, even fathering their children voluntarily. Now, I'm not trying to change the narrative of the conversation. I'm just saying that, like what Latrice is saying, as a black male, we got to acknowledge that this is true. And let's not focus on how we got there. Let's just focus on what we do have to pay attention to how we got there. But can we find a resolution? And the only way that you can find a resolution is to look within yourself, look outside of yourself at the same time, pay attention to those around you whom are exhibiting these behaviors, and try to fix it. And I see a lot of these behaviors in in the black community with our black males. Let's not pretend as though it doesn't exist. And I'm not saying you don't. You're so, not saying that it doesn't exist. Right. I'm sorry. But let's just not downplay it. Hey, right, let me. We got a couple of minutes before we go to the top of the hour break, so I'm gonna give you a quick challenge, Chef. Well, I'm pretty sure Eli and Latrice like to address you. We won't get to do that. Um, here's, here's. I just want to play out something because I just heard Eli say it, and I'm kind of working in my mind as I hear you, Eric. And again, um, respect your three cents this morning. Is it possible? And again, this is a nuance of what I heard you say. Is it possible? when you listen to Eli get into the specifics of how we're using language. Like he brought that point to the table. And so like for a period you said, hey, um, you said based on what I see, you know, on YouTube and things of that nature, is it possible that the way the, these terms are being used is why, why to a certain extent you're seeing it as more than it really is? And so what I, what I kind of hear Eli saying is the nuance of how these terms, as he says, being given to us by someone outside of our community. And when you hear a commercial that literally puts the majority of men under this, like, um, you know, under this veil, is it possible that we have to be, as he's saying, very careful about the term misuse to even give the idea, as he said, a criminal put a knife to her neck? Like it's a perspective that I that I've never heard it said that way. So I'm saying, is it possible that there is a social? Uh, what's the, I forgot what's the word you use, Eli? You said, um, you said it. Conditioning. Yeah, social conditioning. What's the word I'm looking for? Is that possible? I just want to see, get your quick thought on that before we go to the top of the hour. Uh, it, and it, I, it, I, let me answer. Sorry, answer. I, I'm gonna let Eric go, and I gotta go to the top and of the I break. And I will yeah, need what, to respond what, what, yeah. to this as well. As well as yeah, the, the top of the break is going to change a lot. We're not going to get to do that, y'all. Okay. Please work with me. I promise you. Yeah, Eric, I'll All give right. you a quick response, and I got to go to break. You got to. It, 
Is it possible? Yes. However, at the same time, he has to acknowledge all of the points that I've just made and even the points that Latrice just made. It, it is there, and I don't give a damn what we call it, if it's toxic masculinity or what. I don't think it's necessarily social conditioning because white women are complaining about the same damn thing about the white men. Indian women are saying the same thing about their Indian men, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So it's everywhere. So it's not we're talking about just the topic of how it manifests itself in the black community and how do we fix it, how do we address it. How do we evaluate it? What do we do about it? And black men have to call a spade a spade. And I've heard them call a spade a spade. Fair enough. Again, it it may matter. I I think it may matter what we call it. And myself calling, trying to understand where he's coming from. But is he understanding the points that Latrice is calling out? I think I've heard him agree. I think I've heard him agree to it many a time. Specific in the term, and I'm not pushing one way or the other. I just think to be fair, he said he's agreed mostly with what she had to say. I don't know if you heard that part, but he's consistently said that. I did, and I even agree with him. I got to go to break, brother. I got to let you go. Sorry. Understood. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think, if y'all will listen to this cut, because it takes us in a different direction. Again, we're going to be fair to both sides. Listening to. Rape, murder, war. They all have one thing in common. Men. Aggression, violence, ambition unchecked by conscience, all the stuff of toxic masculinity, right? And the solution is obvious. Make men less toxic. Make men less masculine. Make men more like women. But I'm here to tell you that that way of thinking is not only wrong, it's dangerous. Here's why. When you try to make men more like women, you don't get less toxic masculinity. You get more. Why? Because bad men don't become good when they stop being men. They become good when they stop being bad. Aggression, violence, and unbridled ambition can't be eliminated from the male psyche. They can only be harnessed. And when they are harnessed, they are tools for good, not for harm. The same masculine traits that bring destruction also defeat tyranny. The traits that foster greed also build economies. The traits that drive men to take foolish risks also drive men to take heroic risks. The answer to toxic masculinity isn't less masculinity. It's better masculinity. And we know what that looks like. It's a young man opening the door for a girl on their first date. It's a father working long hours to provide for his family. It's a soldier risking his life to defend his country. The growing problem in today's society isn't that men are too masculine. It's that they're not masculine enough. When men embrace their masculinity in a way that is healthy and productive, they are leaders, warriors, and heroes. When they deny their masculinity, they run away from responsibilities, leaving destruction and despair in their wake. The consequences can be seen everywhere. One in four fathers now lives apart from his children. And children who grew up without a dad are generally more depressed than their peers who have a mother and a father. They are at far greater risk for incarceration, teen pregnancy, and poverty. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, family is the most important. And we are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation. That was said by then-Senator Barack Obama in 2008. If we are honest with ourselves, he went on, we'll admit that too many fathers are missing from too many lives and too many homes. 
As much as we try to deny the need for real masculine strength in society, there's no denying its necessity. Healthy families and strong communities depend on the leadership and bravery of good men. Yet, the current trend is to feminize young men in the hopes of achieving some utopian notion of equality and peace. And it starts at the earliest ages. In the school classroom, boys are invariably the problem. On the playground, aggressive games like dodgeball have long been banished. We tell young men that their intrinsic desire to compete is wrong. Everybody gets a trophy. Don't run up the score. This anti-male tilt continues on through higher education and into the workplace. It has created millions of tentative men, unhappy women, and confused boys and girls. Here's a secret that every woman knows. Women want real men. Men they can count on and, yes, look up to. No amount of feminist theory will change that. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Tees, along with special guest Eli Marcus, co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion, toxic masculinity, real or BS, as we just heard a pretty long cut that gives a, a, obviously a different perspective on this idea of toxic masculinity. Um, Latrice, I'll start with you, and um, Eli, I'll let you um, come after that. We also have a caller. Uh, we definitely, again, just work with me on the direction of, uh, of where we're headed. So um, your response to the cut, Latrice, if you will. I don't necessarily agree Sorry, wholeheartedly with the just cut. Just got you live. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I said I don't agree wholeheartedly with the cut. Um, number one, I, it annoys me when people try to push everything, blame everything on feminism. When I started, I opened with a very intentional comment about the true, very specific definition of toxic masculinity, and that problems occur when we apply when we apply a broad paintbrush to toxic masculinity instead of refine, or instead of keeping it defined by those narrow scopes. Um, when um, Eli mentioned manspreading, that's not toxic masculinity to me. That's, tox- that's male privilege to me because many times men say they need more space. And to be honest, they're larger, they're more muscular. Sometimes they do. Um, but that manspreading applies to when they sit on, started in public transportation, they spread their legs open and taking up more space than they're allotted. That's not toxic masculinity. That's, that's um, privilege, in my opinion. So we need to be clear that we define it properly and that we address the issues that, that make people hypermasculine, make men hypermasculine. They are not allowed to cry. Additionally, this evolves to our community's issue with mental health. Oftentimes, these types of the negativity associated with toxic masculinity plays out the way in which it does because we have an aversion to mental health care in our community. And when we don't deal with that, when we don't deal with all the things that as black people we encounter in society day in, day out, the oppressive behaviors, the systemic racism, that has to come out some way, somewhere. And oftentimes it comes out in the intimate partner violence that many people experience. So in calling a spade a spade, we have to begin to address that we need an outlet for the oppression that we encounter each and every day. We need an outlet for the behaviors that we have to exhibit in mainstream society in order to not be marginalized. 
So here's my question before I um, – because I want – Eli, I want you to – if you want, if you will, um, you, had, you had an amazing Facebook post. I want you to kind of, you know, be prepared to bring that to the table. Um, but I want to say this in the streets before you do so. So, and again, and this is just working through the nuance of it all. Mm-hmm. So the idea of hit, calling a spade a spade, I definitely remember early on Eli just kind of mentioning um, – well, we already—I think he mentioned—we already have names for it. I think he's going to say it in this post that he's about to share. Uh, we already have names for those things, and if we already have names for those things, and there are problems that we need to address, I don't think anyone's saying we don't need to address them. Um, how do we, like, is how do we, like, in a sense, what if the term is set up? Per se, because again, that's just a, and as a man, I can't help but be concerned about that or whatever. You know, I'm fully into acknowledging the idea. Let me even say this to you, Eli. Let me throw this out to you as well. Having done this show for a few years, we've done several shows where, unfortunately, King, I will say to you, um, I'm definitely in a, I'm definitely here. And I'm, matter of fact, I'm gonna share this other this post before you share yours. I'm definitely in a situation where I hear our women constantly in the idea of not feeling protected. And it may be a case like where they may have had an experience like Latrice and, you know, based on the work that she was able to do, she didn't apply it to all men. So I think sometimes you do have those scenarios where based on their specific situation and the way society goes, in a sense, they may quote unquote apply their very personal issue to all black men, but but it's quite understandable, especially if you don't get the psychological help. Again, I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's a part of it. But even sisters who maybe have not had the worst of experiences are, in a sense, saying, and I've heard enough saying they don't feel protected. Now, I'm not again saying I agree with everything they're saying, but I do want to make you aware that I definitely, you know, here in Atlanta, for example, hear that. A, a, a great deal. Let me share this post with you, and then you can share your um, post as well. And again, I think this is just something that's um, something that needs to be brought to the table. And again, we're just doing nuance here. So this post is from a, a friend of mine, and I'll even give a little context because I think it's, it it, it kind of deals with this from both sides of it. Um, this is a friend of mine who is, you know, from what I could tell, now happily married, highly feels highly protected by her husband, at least, again, in my dealings with them and seeing their relationship. Um, but she wrote this post um, recently, and, and, again, I'm giving this context before you hear it. So it's almost so she feels protected. She's in a great marriage at this point or whatever. But this post of what you're about to hear is, in my, in my assessment of this post, her addressing, in a sense, what she left, um, in, in a sense, this, this single world amongst her friends or whatever. This is what she feels like she left. And, and again, I know her very well enough in this post. You know, let me hear what y'all think about it, and then, Eli, you can share your post. So what she simply said was, we're dealing with a generation of men who have internalized neglect so deeply that they will swear they don't need anybody when truly all y'all need is love. Now, if somebody has something in the background, if y'all can mute yourself, please, for just for while you're doing whatever you're doing. Sorry. Men who have been wounded will create these narcissistic facades of being a masculine man, a god, or a king, ain't earned a damn thing, and use that to mishandle every woman beneath them. 
then will come back to society with the narrative that no one is there for you or you don't have any support for understanding when your brokenness broke every woman you've ever encountered. No, y'all have support. Y'all are loved. Y'all are cherished. Y'all just have to stop crying out for help amongst the same women you've trampled over and complaining when nobody responds. We're not breaking our own hearts to heal yours anymore. Go do your own work. We're tired, boss. Uh, I think that's a poignant post. And Eli, I want you to address it first before you share your post. Um, again, this sister is happily married, feels protected by her man, but again, addressing maybe this hyper-masculine or this subset of men who have who are not done the work. Your thoughts on what she had to say. Eli, did I lose you? Or did you maybe mute yourself and come back? Oh, you know what? I was muted. Sorry about that, brother. Um, yeah, not a problem. I Go do, ahead, King. That's her lived experience, and I would never invalidate a person's stated lived experience. Uh, it's probably a valid point for a lot of men who do practice that behavior. Uh, I find that women who do feel uh, protected by the men in their tribe, they have totally different speeches that they give um, as opposed to women who may not feel protected by the men in their tribe. So that's really what it is. The black community is not a community where we're all having the exact same experiences. Uh, black women have different experiences. Some agree with what I'm saying, some disagree, and so do black uh, men, black women and men. So people are tribalistic. And um, I only, I'm only surrounded by women who have good things to say about me and generally good things to say about men, and they reward me with their praise uh, and with their love for protecting and providing for them. So that's why I speak the way that I speak, because I'm not constantly hearing negative things about me or, black, or about the black male race. And, and we're very careful about the language that we use. That's not to say there isn't issues in the culture, but those issues simply do not exist in my tribe. And I refuse to take on the burden, the moral debt of other tribes who are un, unproductive, criminal-minded, and ratchet. Oh, those are fair thoughts. And actually, um, fortunately, we've gotten to the break. So when we come out of the break, if you will, Eli, um, prepare to share that um, post, if you will. Are you prepared to share that, King? I just want to check before I ask you to do it. Yes, sir. Okay, sounds perfect. So we're going to go to a quick break. Um, we're going to have Eli read, again, this post in reference to how he sees this whole idea of toxic masculinity. Patrice, I definitely want your response. For any of the callers that are out there on the line, please press 1. We will get you in. In reference to the show, I see you out there, um, 678-400. We will get to you um, after this break. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most 
it's more than a brand, it's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money, even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, alone with guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, toxic masculinity, real or BS? Special guest, Eli Marcus, uh, writer. And many of things, and you're about to hear a piece that he wrote recently on Facebook. And if you will, can you go ahead and share your thoughts? Um, Latrice, I know I tried to share this with you, and I definitely want to hear your direct thoughts to what Eli has to say. Um, this is slightly a quite long piece, so just be warned as a, for anybody out there listening. Um, but I want you to pay attention closely to what this king has to say. It was definitely a different perspective for me uh, in reference to this topic. Um, and like I said, Latrice, would love to hear your thoughts afterwards. Go ahead, King. The term toxic masculinity is the intellectual dishonesty equivalency of the term black-on-black crime. In my specific tribe and culture, toxic masculinity does not exist. We call predatory, unhealthy, and or abusive individuals what they are without linking their behavior with their masculinity, femininity, or gender social constructs, particularly when there is no credible data to support it. We reject the concept of toxic masculinity, as we believe there are so many complexities and intricacies as to why people engage in abusive, violent, or unhealthy behaviors that has little to do with gender social constructs and more to do with the person's unique issues, be it one of mental illness, past unresolved traumatic life experiences, stress, being poorly raised, or simply having an abnormal abusive temperament. It's reasonable to approach criminality, criminality, violence, and unhealthy behaviors this way, when in most developed societies, the vast majority of men are nonviolent and non-predatory. We believe the vast majority of men and women are reasonably healthy people. Thus, there is no need to link bad behavior with it being an entire gender issue derived from a social construct, especially when terms already exist to define the action or behavior like abuser, criminal, predator, sociopath, and so on. We do not subscribe to the term toxic masculinity as a valid one, just as we do not see the whole black-on-black crime as a valid argument. It's racist, slick, and intended to demonize an entire group of people based on their color by cherry-picking from the lowest rotten fruit to present as examples as to how the whole garden is rotten, when it is not. Sociopaths, rapists, violent abusers, and men with severe emotional issues don't turn into monsters due to their gender social constructs, especially when 98% of all other men on earth turned out reasonably healthy and functional in life without harming others. Violent gangsters who happen to be black likely make up less than 0.5% of the black population. When a gangster murders a law-abiding black citizen, That's not black-on-black crime. 
It's gangster culture on a citizen crime. Law-abiding, nonviolent black citizens make up more than 98% of the black population. The term black-on-black crime isn't justified based on credible data. It's a word game, whereas it gives the appearance of meaning one thing, but it's deceptively used to train the mind to hate and demonize the creator of the term's intended target. Example, black people, black men, etc. This is a form of intellectual dishonesty in lazy language that is very dangerous and could result in unintended consequences like disarming and discouraging healthy masculine men from their protective instincts from poorly behaved criminal-minded predators. In my tribe, Toxic masculinity term is viewed as something that is simply about attacking men in all forms of masculine-leaning expressions from men on some level with nitpicking, gender-warring rhetoric. This is not our way. In my tribe, consume poisonous thought concepts of any kind from outsiders because we've seen what it has done to black people globally. The end. Latrice? Okay, um, so I think we're arguing semantics here, word usage here. And because I'm a stickler for definitions, um, while the piece is great, and I, and I actually agree with most of it, um, because of the definition by which I define and which the APA and others defi- define toxic masculinity, I stick to it. When we have the suicide rate, of men by the age of 45 being exceptionally high. When we talk to, when surveyors or researchers talk to men about their feelings about manning up or showing emotion or crying and how they feel when they're not allowed to do these things and how they repress those emotions, um, we have a problem. And I really, honestly, I don't care what you call it. It can be toxic masculinity. It can be predatory behavior. It really doesn't matter. My concern is that we focus on solutions so that the black women who are being killed by their intimate partners, that stops, which is three times higher than white women or Latino women, three to five times higher, depending on the ethnic group, than others. Um, We have to understand how our brain works. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned is that I said it was not a criminal. No, because my brain didn't record my incident as a criminal. My brain looked at the person who held a knife to my throat and he classified them as a black man. And as a result of that, that's how I then began to understand the unconscious bias and how our brain works and how it impacts us as we go through life. The more you know, the more you're able to combat those unconscious thoughts. So we have to give, take into account the, the lived experiences. One of the things you said in your statement, Eli, is that you, you keep your circle and that you don't stray from those circles, and I paraphrase. Well, I talk to people who exhibit these behaviors because I need to understand why. I talk to people who malign women. I talk to people who don't understand why calling me a female other than a woman is, is offensive to me. I intentionally reach out and engage these people in conversation so I can understand the why behind what you do. And that's perhaps given me the perspective. I still recognize that the vast majority of my brothers, the vast majority of men are not this way. And there are those where something went wrong, 
a twist or some chemical imbalance, something happened in the brain, some lived experience, something went wrong and turned them into this criminal, this predator, this rapist. At the end of the day, the behaviors that they exhibited were considered to be hyper-masculine. They were very aggressive, hypersexualized. Hence, toxic masculinity. So we're arguing behaviors and what to call it. I'll call it whatever you want, as long as we can come up with a solution for it. Hey, sounds good. Let's go to the callers. We've got a couple of callers on the line. If you're, on the lo- if you're online, I haven't even got the number of people who have been calling in anyway, so it's good. Uh, the, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. You will need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Let's go to a caller right now. Area code six seven eight last three four zero zero. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents from this morning's discussion. Man, this is E R D J on another dialogue show. Hi, hi, that's my number. What's, <laughs> What's up, King? What's up, King? I didn't think you listen. You you be too busy to listen to us normally. What you got for us this morning, King? Go ahead. I'm just, I'm just on my way to Birmingham, man. So I got two quick things, man. Um, as I'm listening to the show, man. One. Is toxic masculinity only in men? Because I'm seeing the same traits that could be uh, distributed for the woman's side. So I'd like to hear that point. Uh, is, is, this just, is this just man, or is it just behavior, period? Uh, because I think men... Right, let's let's, let's jump in, and we'll, let's, let, me, let, me, let my guest let me guess, uh, answer you, and then oh, you can ask the second oh, question. Okay. okay. All right. Go ahead. I'll let you start, um, Latrice. Hello? Are you all there? I'm sorry, I was yep. on mute. There are toxic feminine behaviors okay. that exist and I don't and I don't stray away from it. I confront it head on. You are absolutely correct. Uh, so uh, so this you question like- are we saying there's toxic there's there toxic masculinity in women and women, not toxic feminine. Toxic toxic masculinity distributed uh, uh, or or um shown by women. So are there hyper-aggressive women? Yes. Are there hyper-sexualized women? Is it, but it, there may be, but it's probably displayed differently. Um, but are, are some women hyper-violent? Absolutely they are. So not all of the behaviors can be attributed, but there are some that can be. To your point? Let me let Eli respond real quick, and then you can come back. I'm just trying to get everybody in. Go ahead, uh, Eli. Any quick thoughts? Back to my earlier point, this is why I reject the language altogether, because I think we can just call predators predators, abusers abusers, criminals criminals, without this notion of toxic masculinity or toxic femininity. I think it's intellectually dishonest, and it's not needed. Those, those concepts are unnecessary, not needed, when we can just call a person's behavior what it is. More importantly, as a marketer, as a person who uses language to get people to buy things, that's what I do for a living. I understand how conditioning works. I understand how word choices work. Black people, black men, are self-criminalizing themselves, and this uh, this uh, culture, uh, academia culture that pushes these terms, are criminalizing and demonizing black people. So I disagree with our dear sister that it doesn't matter what we call it. It does matter, and it's having severe catastrophic effects on our people. Evan, go ahead. I, I definitely agree with uh, with vocabulary is very important. Uh, this is the reason why we have a full dictionary. 
Now, my second point, my second question is, I mean, based on these, these definitions, I suffer from toxic masculinity. Uh, what, what do I need to do? How do I solve this problem? Tylenol. So you're hyper-aggressive? You're violent? You, you focus on violent behavior? I am super-aggressive. Okay. No, when we asked you what she said, she said, what about the violent behavior part? Because I will, like, the one thing I will say to be fair to Latrice is she she has given a specific definition. Now, again, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from, Eli. Again, I'm not necessarily siding here, but I do want to be fair that she has been very specific. And I don't know if you heard that part, Evan. Again, I want you to answer her. But it's just keep in mind when she's saying it, she's saying a very specific definition, not the broad definition that typically gets used. She did leave the show saying she doesn't agree with the broad definition. Go ahead, and that's, and, that, and that's that's fine, but my point is like if we're saying, hey, we wanna we wanna we wanna look at solutions, I'm asking how do I solve it? And I, and it's coming back to me, am I this, am I that? Well so No 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 so no how, you, you we, said you were. You said Okay. You were. So so, I, so what do I need to go about trying to fix my issue? That's what I'm asking. Well I asked the same thing. I said, I don't really care what we call it, but how do we resolve it? So part of it is, you know, I guess determine whether we're going to go by the specific definition or whether we're going to go by the broad definition. I completely disagree with the broad definition of toxic masculinity and call it a mental illness of mine. I'm very, I'm a staunch, I'm a stickler for definitions, which is why I keep coming back to my narrowly defined definition of this type of perceived gendered behavior. So... How do we resolve it? I don't know. Do we teach our, do, do we, do, first of all, we need to incorporate mental health into our annual health care. That's one way to re- resolve a lot of the issues associated with the intimate partner violence that we see that happens with women and even some men. That's a, that would be a big deal if our community were more willing and accepting of receiving, seeking out and receiving mental health care. So that's the first step. Have you considered that to help you with your overly aggressive behavior? Hey, Evan, great questions. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead real quick. We'll we forget to break. Sorry. Sorry, Kim. Go ahead. Let's laugh. Hold on. I, I was just going to say language is important because when we hit it, we said her response, I, I point this out, her response was it happens for men and some women. Like, it's like, it's, it's like we, we, we just I, keep catering to no, no, that was I said the intimate partner violence, intimate partner violence. There are some men where women are the abusers, but it's more women that are abused than men. That's where I said the some, some women are the abusers. But I've been very clear that it's not most, many, and all when it comes to men that, are, that display toxic behaviors. It is none of those things. There is a small percentage of our population that displays those behaviors. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I got another caller who wants to get in as well. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think.
My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one or two ways every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We're having a lively discussion on toxic masculinity, real or BS, with special guest Eli Marcus, as well as special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Um, before going ahead, I do have to acknowledge my sponsors, MoneyMotivation.com, as well as Square Business Entertainment and LNG Technologies. Uh, thank you for your sponsorship. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please give me a call at 404-604-9477, as well as listeners. This is, as I always call it, the return of intelligence radio. If you want to be, I need your support to keep this on the air. If it's what we're doing, you feel is important, because, again, I don't, we're not here just to entertain you. I think this is important work, trying to dialogue and figure these things out and hopefully give people seeds and things that they can use for themselves. And, again, this is important work. If you agree that it's important work, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. I am laying it out. If you, you know, you know it's up, it will not be gone one day. We definitely need your support, mentaldialogue.com. We, uh, if you're outside of Atlanta, we have a support level. If you're in Atlanta, we ask that you become a member. I'm only $5 a month. If you're in Atlanta, $2 a month for supporters outside of Atlanta. If you have a business, we actually have higher level ship, higher memberships in which you receive um, discounts on advertising, even some free advertising with the show. So, again, please go to mentaldialogue.com and check us out. Uh, coming out of the break, I think Evan asked an amazing question. Um, you know, in a sense, what's the solution? How do we solve it? Uh, I have some areas I want to go, but um, to, to again, to just get it all in, and we got some callers that want to get in. So, what I'm going to do, um, and we'll get, we'll definitely get to the solution conversation because we've got to have that conversation uh, for this last half of the show. But let me at least get to this caller who's been on hold for a little while. Area code two zero two last three five eight three. Please give us your name and where you're calling from this morning. Hey, Montoya, it's Hillary from Baltimore. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Queen? What you got for us this morning? Jump in. Uh, well, I agree, I guess, with Eli. I like this post. I like the other clip that you played of the um, the girl that was talking about uh, masculinity. I think that term is totally BS. It's very racialized. It's only applied to black men that's consistent with the ongoing theme of um, you know, black men being problematic that we've had since slavery. I don't think it's a problem for a man to be masculine or hyper-masculine or whatever that is. I think that's perfectly fine, and especially for black men, because they that whole theory is to keep black men weak, because when they're weak, they're not going to be doing anything to strengthen their community or protect their community or anything like that. So I don't think they should be vilified for being masculine or strong individuals and I don't think that I agree with Eli that we should not forgive us and then tell us that's our problem and we have to figure it out I don't think it's a problem at all there are criminals and people with pathological behaviors but that is not we we, I don't think that we should accept that as like you know this is how our whole group is because other people don't do that they rape people on the buses in India and you don't have that same 
conversation or even thought about Indian men. We live in a whole system of white supremacy. You feel perfectly comfortable in all white areas of being around white people. So why would you feel uncomfortable being around your own people unless you've been conditioned to think that they're poisonous, which is what toxic means, they're poisonous. Your men are not poisonous. And let me ask you this real quick, um, Hillary, and I'll let um, both our guests respond to you. Um, and I just want to see what your thoughts are. I have, I, I have my own thoughts in reference to this, but I just want to hear your thoughts on it. So, for example, earlier we played the Gillette commercial, and the Gillette commercial really just kind of laid it out there that all men are toxic, so it wasn't even particular to our community. So when you see a, a campaign such as that, um, how does it relate to your in your perspective? Again, I have my own thoughts, but I want to hear yours. Oh, I didn't hear the whole commercial, but them saying all men are toxic, the, they know what they mean. Like, that is the conversation is only reserved for black men because there's no conversation, certainly no national conversation about white men being toxic or how to fix their toxic masculinity. I think it's a BS term. And they don't, they, you, and even the, the clip that you played of the white girl was white people don't encourage their sons to be meek, but you're supposed to encourage black boys to be meek and black men to be meek. So, yeah, what, it's okay, fair enough. What I will say to you is I, the national campaigns do exist. I still think is, and here's where I agree with you, though. It's like how, for example, you know, how we know the term thug is used in the national uh, media, right? So we know specifically who they're talking about per se or whatever. So I still think that element is something that we always should be concerned about, how white supremacy goes about its business. But what I will say to you, that that, that definitely – the national, just to be fair, the, you know, whatever, even, like you said, even the clip, that clip is literally that lady talking about what's happening nationally. So she she's not worried about, she's saying, hey, we need more masculinity because she feels, in her opinion, that the, the emasculation of men in general is why she did that clip. So she is applying it to all, again, it's just trying to be fair. Um, give fair context to the fact that it it, it, it is happening nationally. I, I work in the school system, and a lot of stuff that she pointed out in her video is happening in the schools, and it concerns me as a man, but particularly as a black man. Again, things that hurt America end up hurting us threefold, so that's why I'm more concerned about it. Again, I want to give you know my thoughts on it as well, but thank you so much, mm-hmm. Hillary, uh, for your three cents. I'm going to let our guests respond to you as well. Um, we'll start with you. Um, Latrice, again, let the queen start first. Go ahead. Latrice, did you mute yourself again? Uh, Eli, go ahead and start. We'll try to see. I I may have lost. I got to check the board. Go ahead, Eli. I'll let you respond to Hillary first. Well, obviously, I I agree with the sister. Um, And Latrice uh, mentioned a point earlier regarding uh, the, the data of domestic partner cases, abuse cases, uh, being higher amongst black women. Um, First of all, when we put this into context, we still see that over 95, 98% of black men are nonviolent, will never go to jail for violence, will never be charged with violence. There's no record of them being consistently violent towards their intimate partners. So when we take the few cases that happen, because it is rare when you compare it to the general population, um, then we can say, oh, 58% of these women were abused or murdered by a black man. Well, murders are going to always exist, but we have to put it in context. More importantly, poor communities commit more crimes, regardless of race. 
So if you see a higher statistic amongst black people as it relates to crime than white women, it's because black communities tend to be poorer, so they commit more crime. And the bottom line here is, if you ask my perspective, people mad because they broke. That's what it is, is it always boils down to economics. We spend too much time exploring these rabbit hole terms and concepts like toxic masculinity and not enough time spent on pursuing power and wealth. That will solve most of our issues in our community. Uh, the fact is people are poor, powerless, frustrated, and they mad, and they want to take their anger out on something, somebody. And right now, this whole notion of toxic masculinity is trending. My solution is get some money, get some power, and watch how the narratives and attitudes of people change. Patrice, got you back on. Go ahead, Queen. Right. Okay, so while so this is a national campaign. It's not just about black men. And as a matter of fact, when I hear the term toxic masculinity, a black man is not what comes to mind. But I'm intentional about my thoughts, and I'm intentional about understanding the unconscious and how my brain impacts what I see, um, what I feel what I think. So one of the things I think that we need to understand is that um, black men have to project a certain persona, if you will, when they enter into daily society. One of the things when I took a diversity and inclusion course was that the instructor stated that there is not a day that goes by that he doesn't recognize that he's a black man operating within this society. And there was a white man in the, in the, in the class with me, and he said he never thought about his race when he went about his day. That was, that was dynamic. That, that, was a, that was a profound statement for me because black men understand how they're perceived when they go out into the world. And there is a certain amount of um, assertion, if you will, that they have to project in order to survive in a society that oppresses them. I get that. What we cannot do is that we, we, we can't, marginalize the issues within our community. We can't marginalize what happens. And yes, murderers are murderers, but when you have black women that are harmed three times as much, and oftentimes, it's, you know, when I'm talking about the intimate partner violence, it's, it's relationships. And a lot of that frustration is born out of, like you said, a lot of poverty. I don't disagree with you. It's born out of frustration. It's born out of mental illness. So we need to begin to acknowledge that these issues exist in our community, and I think that they will begin to go away. Now, I will, I will actually concede. Yeah, let me, let me that ask you something real we, quick, if I could. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Let me ask you something real quick, because uh, you and I have had this same discussion, um, and, uh-huh. and Eli just mentioned it with you again. You kind of gave credence to what he had to say, but I want to be real particular here, because it's just something, again, to push thought out there. So, uh-huh. like you said, three times higher for black women. But as he brought the context, and you and I have had this very discussion before, and I said to you, it's not that that stat is not correct culturally or by race. It's not that it's incorrect. But as he said, if we, in a sense, look at the overall numbers that we tend to be poor, and we know that, unfortunately, not, and this is not a black person thing, but we just know that poor, poor people commit more crimes. And so mm-hmm. it ends up, if we tend to be more poor, then the three times higher doesn't become particular to the race. It, it becomes the economic factor that we talk. You know, you and I have had that specific conversation. Right. And, and I think, I think I, it's I only fair that, that we bring that out. And, it, right, right. and I agree that you have. I'm just really no, kind no, of putting it together because we had lost you. 
Yeah, yeah, you like, did. I'm saying you I did. Just, no, I'm, no, I'm saying you absolutely did that. You absolutely did that. So I'm, I'm acknowledging it. I, I'm actually honing in on it just for somebody. You know, I'm just honing in on it to, to kind of further discuss it. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did. I just did bring it up, and I was actually going to say that I actually, you know, having thought about it because I have a Facebook group dialogue on Black women where I deal with stereotypes associated with Black women. So I'm actually going to concede here that you're absolutely right. We should not call it toxic masculinity because while I, because of the work that I do, I don't see a black face when I see toxic masculinity. I see white supremacists. When I, when I, when I hear the term toxic masculinity, I recognize the fact that that's because of the work that I do. So I will acknowledge that there needs to be a different way to acknowledge these behaviors that does not stereotype or place black men in an aggressive, aggressive box. I acknowledge that. So I thank you for bringing that awareness to me because I can't be um, focused on stereotypes about black women and be fair not in doing the same thing with black men. So I acknowledge that I can see uh, no. that. But we do have to address. No, no, that's strong. And, and, we, and that's, you know, that's not our reason. No, absolutely. That's, and that's not our, you know, while we're here, we're just doing the dialogue and it's coming out. And if you oh, have absolutely. different thoughts, if you disagree with. No, 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 no. I'm, you, I'm just kind of sharing it to the audience now. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, of course. That's you know, I, again, that's why I bring on smart people. Both of you are intelligent, understand your point. Y'all are both making amazing points, and that's what I attempt to do. You know, y'all can handle this even better than I can. Um, but I, and what I'm kind of now mentioning to the audience, for anybody that may, you know, still feel the way they feel, that's fine. Bring, please, we got another break. This break, I want to. I used to do this at the end of the show, but I particularly chose to do it in the, the for, for the last segment. Um, because we're about to hear a spoken word poem that I think brings a lot of this in context, and I want to hear both of y'all thoughts um, in, uh, in reference to this spoken word poem for this last break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. I am a man. Please do not expect too much of me, for in the morning there will only be disappointment in its place. I am a man. I collect heartbeats and heavy breath like dollar bills while tossing I love you like loose chains and receipt paper. I don't need that. You see, I am a man. I'll refer to you as a girl from the bar with the tongue ring because I will not be able to recall your name, your body. On the other hand, I will remember perfectly like I am the God who forged it. Your face is simply a memento safety pin to a space on my calendar. Your taste will be on my teeth until dinner time the following day. I am a man. Torturer. Noosing women from the snare of my lips while my tongue acts as a whip, lashing my desires across her whiplash curves. There, there I call it slavery. There, I call it love. There, I try to say that I'm not like all the others because the history of women tries to tell them to rely on the words of a man. But I, I'm a split-tongued, two-faced master of language. I am the cause with no regards for the effect. I am a murderer. A murderer with clean hands, but don't get me wrong, I don't mind getting down and dirty. My body count seems to hold more importance than my GPA in my room. You will find souvenirs and picture IDs in the drawer in the closet. There's dirty laundry that does not belong to me under my bed. You will find bloody sheets, a camera, memories to match, but no bodies to be found because they said walk the earth today. You see, they sit in classrooms, cry in bathrooms with my aftermath on their sleeves. The only thing they hate more than me is themselves. The only thing I love more than myself is the power that they are giving me. So serial killer, 
Tell me how many there's been so far. Tell me why you thought it was okay to speak to her with tear gas on your breath and words drenched in gasoline. Tell me, did she like it when you loved her with clenched fists instead of open arms? Tell me, did you like it when you loved her with clenched fists instead of open arms? Tell me who declared you God. Who gave you the right to walk around wearing other people's happiness like dog tags? Tell me who declared you God because you, you are nothing more than human. Nothing more than a mere man with faulty faith in an outdated value system. So don't you dare, don't you dare walk around all high and mighty like we could dig for gold in your chest like she was born to be at your feet. Don't you dare speak to her like target practice. Don't you dare love her like you know you shouldn't. Love her with no breaks, no airbags, just faith. Treat her like she is the last person on earth that you will ever meet. Speak to her like words are currency. You see, you, you are no man. See, men should not break more than they do build. See, men should not fight more than they do cry. You see, you, my friend, you are no man. And if you ever try to convince me that you are, I'd much rather be a fool. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Patrice Ross, special guest, Eli Marcus. Toxic masculinity, real or BS? We hear a spoken word piece that breaks down that subset, that subculture that we've went back and forth about what we're going to call it. We all, in a sense, agree that it exists And the young man ends it with, hey, if these are the things you're doing, you're not a man at all. And so when we get into this concept of this last break of talking solution, I will offer that there are many of us, myself included, that grew up learning terrible definitions of manhood that included all the things you heard. Not that I did all those things, but I'm just saying very aware that included a lot of the things you heard in that poem as far as how some men go about their business. And the young man ends the poem saying, you're not a man at all. And that's something that is part of the solution, in my opinion, is ensuring that we have more young men raised with the concept that is the exact opposite of that poem. I'm hoping to share a little back and forth that I had with another brother on Facebook, but I'm going to let you both jump in. We may not get to that um, because I think a bigger solution is, and I'll say this and I'll let you all both jump in, a bigger solution in raising that group of boys, which I I couldn't imagine that anyone's disagreeing with that part. I think the best way to do that is within a, 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 a family structure because trying to capture it, in the current state where one of our callers mentioned that, you know, in a sense we have, in a sense, too many men who maybe are not at home, it becomes difficult to capture that outside of family structure. So that's one idea that I would offer as a solution. Eli, I'll start with you. Uh, Thank you, sir. Well, you know, I just want to say that I do believe that, well, first of all, I appreciate our dear sister's uh, intellectual honesty, um, level-headedness, level-mindedness, Great conversation. I just have nothing but good things, and I always agree with her fundamentally since the beginning of this dialogue. Now, with that said, the solution to these issues, to these trauma conversations, to me, is being more wealth and power focused. Uh, We should think for ourselves and stop using the oppressor's body of work to define ourselves. 
Again, as I said earlier, intelligent cultures don't allow foreign cultures to invent and impose terms like toxic masculinity on their people. Intelligent cultures handle their issues in-house and invent their own terms and solutions to their own problems. I I implore you, listen to the way some people are structuring their sentences. We don't even use the word criminal when discussing a criminal act. We replace it altogether with black man. This is social conditioning to criminalize and demonize black men, and it is incredibly dangerous. And I think uh, we all, in some way or another, agree with that. But being more wealth and power focused is the ultimate solution, Not because now I'm noticing black men have taken on a self-hating sort of, they're taking on this, this language, and they're thinking of themselves as rapists, although they've never raped anyone. On some subconscious level, they're thinking of themselves as violent, although they've never been violent. They're apologizing for crimes and sins they never committed. These are not kings. These are people who have been convinced of their own demonization and criminalization. And if you are a woman and you have sons, I would implore you to to take my warning to reject this culture, reject theology and uh, these academia circles that that are targeting black people to put a thought virus in their brain and in their psyche. That's that's all. Great. Hold on one second. Make sure I got you back on. Hold on. I muted you one second. So go ahead, hello? So yes, you're back on. Sorry. I, I would like to say that it's not social conditioning. When I said a black man held a knife to my my throat, that's because that's what my brain perceived it to be, and that's what it was. So it's not social conditioning. It's our brain functioning to keep us safe, which is its primary purpose. So when if someone, if a, a woman attacks you and raped you, let's just say that happened then your brain is going to say that a black woman or a white woman or Asian woman, whatever race that woman was, raped you. And it will then work to keep you safe by making you weary of the people who meet those characteristics when you encounter them. So that's not social conditioning. That's physiology. That's biology. That's what our brains were designed to do. So when we think about how we resolve this, when we think about what we need to be doing to, so that this doesn't continue to happen, Black Americans are estimated to be 20% more likely to suffer from mental illness than the rest of the population. And a lot of it has to do with our socioeconomic status as well as the oppressive nature in which um, we live and breathe and work in every day. But part of that is that we have to begin to have the conversations with our children that it is okay to express your emotions in a safe environment. It is okay to, when the situation calls for it, to cry. Oftentimes, we tell our young men, real men don't cry, but they do because the human body is designed to evoke emotion. And when you repress those emotions, they have to come out. So we have to begin to change the conversation in our homes. We have to begin to, as you've mentioned, Montoya, begin to change the conversation about single parenthood, owning that it's a problem. And it's not just a problem that the woman is raising the child on her own. There's a reason why that woman is raising that child on her own. We have to begin to acknowledge that post-traumatic slave disorder does exist and how do we resolve it so that we can then focus on building wealth and changing our socioeconomic status. But we want to be careful because when I, see, when I hear the word toxic masculinity, people like Donald Trump, come to mind so that when we do get to the point where we are socioeconomically empowered, that we don't then begin to exhibit the behaviors of the wealthy that are truly the ones who exhibit the behaviors associated with this term, I see. 
So that's my perspective. We have to stop shunning or telling our young people that it's not okay to express your emotion, to hold it in. Um, that's what I believe. No, absolutely. So we got a few more minutes. I'm going to share this back and forth just to give a perspective because I would offer as part of this solution specifically for the African-American community, uh, and I love your power and wealth focus, Eli, uh, which I know you will agree with part of what I'm about to say, which is for the most part marriage is wealth. And so, of course, I'm going to push the marriage marriage narrative because I think it is a big part of the fix in ensuring that we have more young men raised up and see how to properly treat it you know, our sisters, and again, you know, I'm not subscribing to the majority of men have an issue. I'm not subscribing to that part at all, uh, but but I'm absolutely acknowledging in our hip-hop culture, um, and we see that, you know, music being a powerful medium, that things do get pushed that are inappropriate, and even those things will seep into uh, even young men who've been raised, quote-unquote, right, uh, or, you know, and have experiences where they go through a period where maybe they're not treating sisters as they should be. Again, I do want to acknowledge it on what I consider appropriate levels because, again, I've been raised in this hip-hop generation. Um, let me share this little back and forth right before we go off the air. So I had a sister who ends up asking a brother online um, this question. Uh, I won't use names here because I didn't get permission to. Um, but the question was simply, um, and again, hopefully it'll, people will see how it relates to what I had to say. Uh, well, actually, let me start with what the brother had to say. He says, how did we get to the point of black women feeling unprotected? How did we get to the point of males leaving the home? We know who is responsible for our condition, but who is accountable of continuing the infection, infection after knowing what systematic dysfunction was passed to us to stay slaves? There are two genders accountable to keeping to keep passing this behavior to the future generation, and it takes both looking heavy in the mirror. Her question was, do you feel that black women saying they feel unprotected is blaming black men? His response was, no. As masculine instinct, I see a cry for rescue. Her response was, I personally feel it's a request for restoration. Black women not only want to be rescued from uncomfortable situations, but also want to move safely and freely through their communities on a regular. That's it. My response to this back and forth was simply this. I said to her, I said, Queen, that's a fair, fair request, but like it or not, black women who do feel the protection that you speak of are typically in communities with plenty of marriages around them. This is not to suggest or to act naive about the number of black girls and women who have not been protected inside of two-parent stru structures as well. However, in order to improve as a culture, we must note the best opportunity to do so is boys and girls being raised with a father at home to show proper treatment of their mother. I understand you think it is a matter of getting more men to understand the black woman's plight. However, in too many cases, you are asking this of men who have no clue about masculine protection. This is not an excuse, but a reality that would not have to be said or discussed had they learned it from their fathers naturally. We could obviously go into that discussion, but thank both of you for being on um, this morning. Eli, if you have any um, public information that you'd like to get out, please get it out real quick. We have about 20 seconds. Go ahead, King. You can follow me on Facebook. Just type in Eli Marcus. Marcus is spelled M-A-R-K-U-S. Eli is spelled how it sounds, E-L-I. That's it. You're listening to Mental Dialogue. All I ask 
is that you think. Thank everyone and all the callers. Appreciate y'all.